Hi, thanks for tuning into the Bacon Water Podcast. On today's episode, Maddie May joins us to talk about Super Saturday across MSU football, basketball, and hockey. Before Tim, uh, aka Luminati, co-host of the Spartan Crazies podcast, joins us with Akil to talk about his terrible Twitter takes, and then Lucas and I sit down with MSU football social media coordinator Paul Morissette to talk about his job and responsibilities. Stay tuned. Here's Spartan Dog 97. Thanks, Spartan Dog 97. When I'm not slamming Advil, I'm Spartan Dog 97. Lucas is here, uh, and we're joined. This is Brett's last week off the pod. He'll be back next week, but we have a hell of a fill-in for this week. The one, the only, Tom Izzo once called him a great follow, Maddie May. Maddie, what's up? Nothing much. I'm uh, excited, elated, slightly inebriated, and uh, just, just ready to hang out, have a good time, have a good Monday night, you know? That's yep. just how, and slightly inebriated is just how we like you. So here's how, so here's how the show's going to go. Uh, we literally, literally just finished, uh, just finished recording with um, Twitter shipbird Akil. Um, it was interesting. You'll hear that coming up. Um, I don't want to step on it too much. But first, uh, I'm just going to drop the pretense of Lions Talk only lasting three minutes, giving the circumstances. So we're just going to do Lions Talk first before we talk about the best Saturday I've had since the last time I've had sex. Uh, and, you know, people always say, I'm not even going to talk about the Thanksgiving game. It's not worth talking about. Uh, Rip Will Fuller. Uh, to him, uh, that news just broke that he was suspended six games for juicing. Uh, you know, Valeni said it earlier. I only caught like the first fifteen minutes of Valeni, but I didn't listen to it. He said it. He he said it pretty good. That um, he's not going to give Martha credit, and I'm not going to either. He's not going to give Martha slash Sheila credit for doing something that should have been done months ago. <coughs> And that open letter that was penned in December makes it more and more obvious to me that it was Sheila that was the driver behind keeping Quinn and Patricia rather than Martha, just based on what happened in the months after. So uh, I believe the verbiage Valeni said was Martha Ford set her own house on fire, called 911 and was screaming, why won't anybody help me? And I think that's a pretty apt comparison. Uh, you know, I'm not really interested in speculating who the next GM or head coach is going to be. The next head coach is going to be Robert Sala. Uh, the Lions can't ignore that, can't ignore the prodigal son narrative that's going to come up from hiring him. He will be the next head coach of the Detroit Lions. I can almost assure you that. If he's smart, he'll reject the job and either stay in San Francisco or take one of the other 15 jobs that are going to be open across the NFL this year. But he'll probably come home. And in four years, we'll be talking again about how the Lions need a new GM and a new head coach. So this is the main, this is the brunt of the thing I want to talk about regarding the Lions, fellas. And I want to get your input on this before, before I like blow it up and really start hammering it. Uh, I've said it across, Lucas, how, many, how long have we been doing this podcast? About eight, seven months now, right? Yeah, like seven and a half months. Yeah. 
in those seven and a half months, how many times have I said that the Fords are not going to sell the team because why would you sell a constantly appreciating asset? Too, too many to count on both hands. I've had to have said it at least once a podcast. Yeah. So I think I found, I think I found, I think I found an angle, fellas. Uh, one of the lesser known uh, dirty secrets, I would call it, of the Ford family is that Henry Ford was a raging, raging anti-Semite and white supremacist. Uh he wrote a bunch of essays about white supremacy. And this is true. In Hitler's office in Munich, there was a massive, massive uh, poster, like painting uh, of Henry Ford. This is true. I got this all from a Washington Post article that was written in 1998 um, because a activist law firm sued both Ford and General Motors for collaborating with the with the Third Reich, uh, Ford profited off of ho- off a Holocaust concentration camp labor. Their German subsidiaries used Jewish slave labor in Germany to make to make car parts. Um, Hitler Hitler admired Henry Ford and kept the kept the series of anti-Semitic essays he wrote in the 1910s in his office drawer. Like I said before, Henry Ford had a, uh, Hitler had a, uh, had a big fucking painting of, of Henry Ford in his Munich office. And Henry Ford received the highest civilian honor from Nazi Germany. This is all true. I've looked this all up earlier. So, Roger Goodell, how can you allow a family of raging anti-Semites to continue to own an NFL franchise? It is unacceptable. You need to force the Fords to sell the Detroit Lions. There is no way that these, that these bastards can continue to own the Detroit Lions. Can you imagine what kind of, what kind of anti-Semitic thinking they they picked up from their grandfather or great grandfather. This is unacceptable. What do you? <clears throat> I've been talking a lot. This sucks. <laughs> you guys talk. What do you think? Go ahead, Matt. Um, well, I I think a, a great <clears throat> point that I think came up earlier, um, and and about the Ford family is that they um, you are talking about a, a fourth third, fourth, fifth generation of a uh, industry family where these are not folks that are um, business people. They are born into the business. It's like succession, you know, where you have some of the folks on, uh, you know, in that line don't know how to run a business. They don't know how to fight for a business. They don't, you know, some of them don't know, know what it takes. And I'm, I'm really thinking, I think, I, uh, I forget the the politician guy's name, but it's like that it's in almost the same sense where it's like, you know, they're, they're used to being given a board seat, not building something from the start. So they don't have that same level of uh, ruthlessness. And, and I think being in the Metro Detroit area and being part of a long lineage of a automotive big three company, I think gives them a lot of um, importance on loyalty, I think. And they're, they're focused on, being loyal to their to their company, 
their to their GM, and then that ends up kind of poisoning their thinking, where they're not thinking about winning a Super Bowl as much as they're thinking about like, hey, you know, how do we just take care of, you know, the people around us? And and I think for fans, it's it ends up being translating into a disservice where people just start. Um, I mean, they'll they'll keep almost you know. Um, I mean, almost similar to, to how D'Antonio was keeping around his friends, you know, and, and I felt that way with, with Bob Quinn. And I honestly, it was amazing on Saturday. Um, really nice to actually see them make a move. It's going to be interesting, but at the same time, I've seen this happen three or four times already and what's changed. So, you know, I, I just don't think they know how to run it at the end of the day. The Senator from succession was named Gil Evis, by the way. Gil oh. Evis, yeah. His face, his face was right there. That's a great comparison to Succession. I'd love to see a spin on that. Um, but, you know, I kind of think about it when you were going on the rant about, you know, Ford being a Nazi supporter. Um, like, you know, we, we got Washington to change their name from the R words to, you know, currently the football club or whatever the hell you're calling it, football <laughs> fun time. And, you know, like, this is pretty dark and there's nothing being done about it. Like, you know, FedEx and Pepsi. And I think every other sponsor for Washington was like, if you don't change the name from this word to anything else, that's, that's fine. We're going to pull, we're going to pull all of our shit. But like, it's kind of crazy that like this stuff is like right out there and no one's going, uh, wait a minute, the Ford should probably sell this team. Cause it kind of reminds me in much different, circumstances of the whole Donald Sterling situation, whereas Adam Silver right away was just like, you're fucking done. Like, no, no way. But Goodell will never do that. He is a puppet. He, he doesn't work with the owners. He works for them. Whereas with Adam Silver, I've seen that he has a great relationship with the players association and the owners groups. Um, we're, they're never going to sell the team unless someone offers them like 5 billion for, it. you know, unless Jeff Bezos comes, walking around and is like, I got $5 billion on me. Do you want to do this? See, and that's my problem is I don't even think they'll take it for $5 billion because it's a one-time payment that runs dry. Right. See, the, Matt's right when he said that these are like fourth, fifth generation Fords, right? They haven't had – they don't remember the halcyon days when Henry was writing anti-Semitic, you know – anti-Semitic essays for 10 hours a day while trying to revolutionize the way, the way labor is done. Right. They weren't there for that. They weren't, they, they didn't have a say in how the model T was going to be built. They weren't hiring people in that first Dearborn plant. They, they just weren't doing it. So when I like, that's, it's, you're right, Matt, that their, their, their priority is loyalty, not, not winning, not, comp- not competition. Uh, the only thing these people have ever run are $10,000 plate fundraisers where they get to pick what kind of napkins to use, right? They don't get to make, they don't get to make in and out decisions. Some asshole tells them what, their, what the value of their portfolio is, and then they make them president of a football team. So, yeah. but seriously, what do you guys think? Do you think we can get the I, I, I guess, I guess, and not to, not to, uh, I guess, 
be contrarian about it, but um, I mean, you can't, yes, there's a ton of controversy on, on Henry Ford, um, but you can't exactly blame the, the kids of a kid of a kid of the Ford family for um, what their, their dad's, dad's dad's opinion was on, on part of that. But that still doesn't explain their, their kind of ass leadership. Um, I think they've just not done it. It's, it's always been a pet project for the Ford family. The company came first, the board came first. Now they just collect checks and now they just kind of run the business. And I think that's what pisses off a lot of Metro Detroiters probably the most is that it's all a lot of working class folks. It's all a lot of folks that, that really do kind of bust their ass and work hard or focus on what's wrong with things in general and work to fix them. Think of the city of Detroit. They're working to make things better in a, in a not great environment. And the Fords don't seem to ever do that. They seem to kind of take an easy way out. They seem to hire their friends or they seem to uh, just kind of go with like a Patriot way, a 49er way. And I just think that they, I mean, we're stuck with them. That's the worst part. I think we're, we're stuck with them and we're not going to ever not have the Fords owning the Lions just because that's as Detroit as the Wrens sound at this point. And I, I think the hope is every time they fire a GM or a coach or a president is that they finally decide to stop thinking they know what they're doing. And, and I think that, that that's the most frustrating part. But the worst part is, is that I get caught up in it every time. Is that every time they fire them, I celebrate, I, I have a great time. And I think we're going we're gonna to go to the playoffs and, and do great things. And then we end up down the, down the shit path again. I think, uh, I don't know. I think Valeni took a pretty even keel on it, of, or I mean, negative keel on it, but an even side of just saying, like, "Hey, this is her fault," because it is, and we're acting like it's not. And I think people are trying to live in the moment versus kind of look at the whole cycle of how it keeps going. And this is the Lions. This is same old Lions. Is losing a GM and a coach, regardless of whether or not it's Matt Patricia or Jim Caldwell or Steve Mariucci or Jim Schwartz or all those all those folks. Yeah, sorry, and, no, <laughs> my long rant, but no, you're you're good, and and I understand. I guess my response to uh, you can't really get uh, great grandkids canceled for something their great grandfather did. My only response um, is a quote from a uh, talented singer songwriter Bruno Mars: uh, "Don't believe me, just watch." Lucas, closing thoughts on the Lions before we move on to to super Saturday. Well, I've, I've made it very vocal who I want them to be the head coach. So I'm not going to go there. Um, I've said it multiple times, but it's going to be say it's Soleil. It's going to be him. Um, I wish him I the best of luck, but I really want to know who the GM is first. Um, but it was pretty shocking. Like you, you, it was kind of like, you don't think it's going to happen. And then I was like driving and I went to make a turn and my watch went off and I saw lions and I'm like, what the fuck? And, um, yeah, and, like, my father-in-law is a big Lions, Lions fan all around. He, he was over it after um, that Carolina game, fully done. And I just hope they can get something good. And, yeah, like, you know, don't look at the 49er way. Don't look at the Patriot way because that's obviously not fucking working anywhere. Yeah. Um, just make your own way. Yeah, do just the Lions. Find way. that diamond in the rough. And it might be a shitty year or two, 
But, like, you never know if you can find the next Bill Belichick, someone that can turn into a guy that you create this gigantic coaching tree from. And if they're successful, who gives a fuck as long as you are? Yeah. That, that's how I feel about it. The Lions need to make the Lions way, or else it's never going to happen. Like, the Rams, now I'm still pissed about yesterday, but, like, they made their own way. Like, they're, they're in a little bit of salary cap trouble, and Jared Goff kind of sucks. But, like, they made the Sean McVay way, and it's working. They're going to be in the playoffs. It's working. But, like, you know, Zach Taylor kind of sucks. I mean, Joe Burrow injury is not his fault, but the guys, I don't think he's a good coach. But, you know, like, they made their own foundation, and, and I think the Lions need to look at that and say, okay, who can we do this with? All right. So I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to wrap it up here. Um, no one wants to hear us talk about Lions anymore. We're <laughs> MSU podcast. There's some big MSU things to talk about. So um, I'll just end it with this. Mr. Goodell, you, you can't continue to let a family of anti-Semites run one of your franchises. It's embarrassing. It is a plague on the National Football League, and something needs to be done. I think a fitting punishment for those raging anti-Semite Fords would be a $3 billion check from Jeff Bezos. That's a more than fitting punishment. All right. So, we're going to brand what happened on Saturday as Super Saturday. Mm -hmm. uh, three MSU teams, I guess, were in action um, on Saturday. And we'll just go, we'll just go in uh, chronological order uh, with, with football. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I went in with rock-bottom expectations. Oh, yeah. Pun, pun kind mm -hmm. of intended. Um, when, when you guys found out Rocky was starting, I guess, what were you, what was your first thought? Ugh. I kind of, when I was listening to it, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. I, I think when I thought Rocky was starting, I was like, you know what? This is Mel Tucker not caring about any of the quarterbacks. And the moment Hamp Faye comes in, those guys are going to be looking for that portal real quick. And that was that's where I first saw, I was like, okay, if Rocky's starting, then they just are going down the line of succession, and then those guys will be processed in the offseason, as opposed to, um, I guess, what we saw. Um, right. Yeah, I just, uh, I, you know, um, the only plays, if Rocky's going to continue to start for the rest of whatever season we have, um, it's not clear, like, it's not clear how many more games MSU football is going to play this year, but the only plays that should be run by Jay Johnson are four verts uh, and some speed option, because those are really the only two things that Rocky like really excels at. Uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think the story of the game by far, by far was the defense. Oh, they played great. I th the defense, I don't think I've seen a Michigan State defense perform that well since 2013. They, they were sweet. I don't know if it's recency bias or what, but I, I, I'm truly starting to believe that whatever Scotty Hazleton is doing in practice, it's beginning to work. Yeah. They're buying in. Yeah, um, I mean Antoine Antoine Simmons continues to be a show out. Um, I 
you know, if he continues to play this way, maybe we're looking for a new middle linebacker this time come next season. Uh, the defensive line, you know, for as bare as D'Antonio left the cupboard on both lines, the defensive line has looked absolutely spectacular these um yet on saturday matt you know what what jumped out at you most when you were watching the michigan state defense um well so two things were were the big things and i think this might be a little bit of a, a layman's term on it but um exactly how you said they looked like 2013 in the way that um and i always notice this about when i see those andy rcm mb games but uh the 2013 team had a real good habit of even if they didn't or, or say they missed a tackle, they're able to get a hand on whoever had the ball and kind of put them off balance so that the next guy coming could get a hold of them and eventually kind of swarm the guy with the ball. And I, I noticed that they were doing that for the Northwestern game. And I got to say the last, I mean, I don't know if it, it was as much of the Iowa game to be fair. I was pretty drunk for that, but um, <laughs> he like, the hits they have this year are kind of they're kind of hard <laughs> they're they're smoking people this year they're flat out just drilling them and hey um like i'm all for it if that's, that that becomes michigan state's defensive brand is just a like hey we're we're gonna tackle you may get the pass but you're gonna get smoked when you get it that puts someone on edge but um i love to see that that was my big takeaway was like oh my god they are they're hitting people hard and harder than you see in other games where you hear it, like even on the, on the, on the microphone. So it's great. Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, you know, more than any Shakur Brown had two interceptions, uh, just incredible showing from him. I can't wait. I can't wait to see how he progresses uh, going into next season. Um, Antoine, like I said, if he keeps playing like this, he won't be, he'll be playing on Sundays uh, next fall. But you know, this, this game was the Angelo Gross coming out party. Um, Angelo, oh, yeah. Angelo Gross, cornerback, uh, he, he, true freshman, it looked, he was playing some big boy football on Saturday. Uh, Lucas, like, what, what do you think, what did you make, what did you make of Angelo Gross? Very, very impressive for a true freshman. To do that against, I mean, okay, it didn't didn't feel like a top eight team. This is the way I felt watching the game, but like, nonetheless, a phenomenal performance for a true freshman. Like, if he's already getting the hang of Scotty Hazleton's defense, like the development and progression, if the next couple of games are played, um, I'm looking forward to even more, and it makes me feel a lot better about that position for the future. Anytime you see a young guy like that, you feel really good moving forward even if you know other people around him are performing you can still count on a guy like that and I have to give a shout out to the O-line for the rushing game was I mean it was a lot of attempts but it worked they did a really good job and that that's what blew me away the most too was they were getting almost they were getting about four four and a half yards of carry on average like Rocky was running a lot um, Collins did pretty decent Hayward had a lot of good runs um, that was something I like to see too, is that there's a little bit of development there or progress with uh, coach caps, uh, online. It, I, I want to say this about Connor Hayward. I kind of tweeted this during the game, but it got drowned out by all my memes, uh, is Connor Hayward looks like a completely 
different person this year. I mean, he just looks so much more confident with the ball in his hand. He, I said that he that he hits that he was hitting the hole like a guy named Kyle was hitting drywall. Uh, <laughs> just absolutely, just absolutely head down, shoulders forward, just ground and pound football that you know Con- Connor Hayward wasn't wasn't known for before this season. Uh, Matt, like Connor, I am I am I like. Am I making too much, or do you agree with me? No, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, I mean, he's playing he's playing lights out. I think part of it is that he was kind of on the border of uh, – I mean, he transferred, transferred, quote-unquote, untransferred, quote-unquote. He's back. Uh, and I think part of the, the Mel Tucker culture, especially with the last two losses, have been, you know, compete to play, compete to stay, which is uh, – which is – I, what very refreshing after dealing with you know D'Antonio playing billiards with Tyler O'Connor for a year, um, but now you have uh, you know people fighting for their spot, and I think Hayward is one of those guys who uh, uh, I think has found his kind of place in this in this offense, where he's able to to kind of hit hard and and be a rough and tumble guy. So all for it. I'm all for it. If, if Connor Hayward wants to play and be the, the RB one, let him do it. Um, Big questions about Eli Collins, though. Yeah, um, we we had heard um, from sources that uh, Connor Hay- that Eli came in uh, as Tom Izzo would put it, fat and sassy uh, into fall camp. Um, he wasn't overweight; it's just that he kind of lost a step of explosiveness and kind of had an ego. Um, and if that's true and that's the reason why he's not playing, then that's an incredible, I, that makes, that makes me just love Mel Tucker all the more. The fact that he wasn't going to, that he was going to come in and he wasn't going to take that kind of shit from, from the returning leading rusher in the big 10. So oh, yeah. if, if that's true, which, you know, I, our sources are pretty well connected. I have no reason to not believe them. Then then that then that just sells me on Tucker even more. Mm-hmm. Um, last thing before you know, a couple more things before we move on to the basketball game. Uh, special teams um, are a major red flag for this team moving forward. Um, you know, outside of Matt Coughlin, um, Patty Davis. If you're listening to the podcast, tell Matt we said good job. Uh, <laughs> I, the the special teams, both the return teams and the the punt and kickoff teams, they need to they need to figure something out. Um, this situation is untenable going forward. Um, both punters um, looked a little rough. The protection wasn't there. Um, I don't know who's teaching people to fair catch within the ten yard line, but um, I would like to not see that going forward. Um, is Brandon Sowards a GA for, for the special teams that we don't know or what? <laughs> Who the fuck but, knows? But, you know, and I, and I think there were a few red flags um, on Saturday that I think we need to be vigilant of going forward that shouldn't be masked by this win. Lucas, do you have any other things that, that kind of caught your eye that you were like, hmm, I'm not a big fan of that? Well, you know, if you take away that Jalen Naylor bomb that Rocky threw, the passing game 
it all – I mean, Rocky threw for only 167 yards. That would be kind of concerning, but Northwestern is a really good team. Um, I'm just still really concerned about the quarterback play, and I know it's probably going to be resolved when Hamp comes and we might get a transfer or two. But, um, I mean, I don't know if there's another win, win coming from these guys. And I'm not saying I hate Rocky. I'm not going to hate a college kid, but um, – it just it's it's kind of alarm. I'm still alarmed by. I, mean, I I don't see the I don't see the the downfall in, like letting Peyton Thorne get a shot. But I get it after a game like that where, you knock off a number eight team in the country, but you know I don't think Rocky's going to come out and throw four touchdowns against Ohio State and they win the game, if the game's played. You know I just I just wish we could kind of see more of those guys getting some looks, even if they're not at the progression that Rocky is, I just, I still want to see him. Yeah, Matt, what, what about you? Did you, was anything kind of jumped out at you that you, that kind of made you cringe a little bit, made you go, Ooh. Oh, um, I, I think um, similar to what Lucas said is that the quarterback play, it was awesome when Rocky made awesome plays, which has kind of been the story of the season. But a lot of the story of the season has been, he has not made a lot of good plays um, which is where I think people – that's why I was saying earlier is that I, I think that's Mel Tucker just dealing with the seniority in that way where when he can bring in his actual quarterback, he might actually move – bump those guys off, and if they want to stay, they can or they can't. But um, I, at the end of the day, too, with this game, you know, this was gravy. You know, I, I, didn't ex- I, I didn't think that they won this game because they outplayed them the same way they outplayed Michigan. I think they won this game because Northwestern made the wrong mistakes at the wrong time and MSU was able to capitalize. So this was great. I mean, I obviously I'm not, not taken away from the win at all, but um, I think it's a little different where Rag Lombardi threw that pick in the, what was the fourth quarter that yes. was directly at that dude. And yeah. it was like, Oh, and, and I was, you know, I was even done with that. I was like, okay, that's fine. That's how we lose. I was waiting for that. And right. then they fumbled it. And so then it was like, okay, now we're, now we're back again. And then it was like they went three an hour or something like that. And it's, it's one of those where, like, this was, a, this was a gravy game. This was all house money and awesome, great for Mel Tucker, extra great for recruiting, which is what I love. And now, um, I mean, and, and, but it, it wasn't the game where you were like, oh, we played a, a number 18, a number eight team, and we played like a number one through seven team. It was like we played a number eight team, and we kind of we, – we, we caught them with their pants down at random spots in the, in the day. So um, loved it. But I guess what I noticed is just that Rocky's not, he's trying to make those risks that Connor Cook could thread the needle on. And uh, I, I don't think he can. And, and that's, that's okay. But it's also, you know, that, that that's not what you want in the, the quarterback for the, the type of offense, I guess, Jay Johnson's trying to run. But. Yeah. Um, and, you know, final thing on football. Um, Georgia quarterback Dewan Mathis um, put his name into the portal and said that he said that Michigan State is an option. He was committed to Michigan State for a time. Um, he's kind of a journeyman. He was committed to Iowa State before decommitting and committing to Michigan State, before decommitting and committing to Ohio State, before ultimately settling on Georgia. Um, I'm not crazy. You know, you guys are shaking your head. You're in agreement with me. I'm not crazy about Dewan Mathis. Um, I don't think, you know, he's kind of like the anti-Rocky where he, he, he can't throw a deep ball to kind of save his life. 
Um, he's not super explosive um, in the action I've seen him in Georgia. Um, so, and plus, like with Hamp coming in, um, this podcast is a pro Hamp Faye podcast, Matt. So, um, get on the train or I've, run I've over. been there. It's it's Champ Faye. Champ Faye, yeah, this is a pro Champ Faye podcast. Um, you know, I would like to see a, I would like to see a stopgap. Personally, uh, the person I have my eye on is UCF quarterback uh, Quandry Jones. Uh, he does have, he does have game experience. He does have high, he does have high pressure experience. He took over for Mackenzie Milton in 2018 after after Milton had that just absolutely horrific leg injury. Uh, that, that shit scarred me on a going off on a tangent. That shit scarred me for life. I was watching that game in downtown Detroit at Atwater brewery. I heard it. I saw it happen live on TV and I went, Oh fuck. And I was sitting across from a, uh, from a family, from a, from like a family with like, the best of us. Yeah, with Sometimes three you just gotta swear kids. in front of a family. Yeah. And the mother said, Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and I was like, Did you see that? <laughs> that was my response. But yeah, no, he filled in for Mackenzie Milton, did pretty well. Um, kind of lost out um in twenty nineteen. Um, I would like to see I would like to see him, you know. I would like to see I would like to see Quandry Jones in green and white. Um, at least kind of be that, at least kind of breathe that bridge to Hamp Fay while he develops and puts on muscle under Jay Johnson and Mel Tucker. So that's football. Let's move on to basketball, fellas. Mm. Um, I don't think I've been watching MSU basketball for about five years, um, just religiously for about five years now. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a better defensive performance from the Spartans than I did on Saturday. Um, it was a straight up block party out there. Everyone was getting their hands on the ball. Uh, Gabe Brown had like four steals. Uh, Aaron had like, nobody was, nobody was getting a shot off open. Everything was contested. And Michigan, Michigan state closed the half on a 17 0 run. You know, that was the, I said it on Twitter. I'm going to repeat it here because it's a good joke. Uh, that was the second worst famine to ever happen to the Irish. Um, you know, Lucas, what were your thoughts about, about MSU's defensive performance on Saturday night? Um, that 26 run, if – I'm not going to say they can – you can't duplicate that every single game. You can try to, but you can't. But – if that is – that's their potential right there. Like, that type of run kind of blows you away. Like, you haven't seen something like that in a long time with this team, not even maybe last year or 2018-19. Um, like, if, if Aaron Henry is playing as well as he did, like 14 points, eight rebounds, four blocks, um, and, you know, with Joey Hauser being a double-double machine, if he can maintain that with 10 and 16 – this team is going to go places and they can figure out and rocket Watts did awesome. He played really well. If, if those three guys can be the catalyst every single game, or at least most of the games, then like I said last week, I don't know if this team's going to lose a ton of games. Like some people are thinking I, that 26 hole run was like, like boner jams, 2020, like you, Bananas. you could see like something like, 
holy shit, if they this is this is prime MSU basketball and that's the type of play that can win a national championship. I think that um you know, I said that um I said on Wednesday that I think Foster Lawyer was the big story um coming out of that Eastern Michigan contest. Um you know, Foster only had three points. He got a three-point play the hard way. Um, you know, if I would be interested to see uh, tonight, if you're listening to this podcast on Tuesday, um, who the starting point guard is against Duke. My gut feeling is Foster, just because mm-hmm. um, Rocket's still kind of dealing with that bone bruise. And on top of that, um, he rolled his ankle. Um, in the closing minutes on Saturday, we haven't really heard much about what about what hap- about like his status and how he's doing. It didn't look too serious. Um, it kind of just looked like one of those things where you tweak it and you kind of have to, you know, roll it out and do your stretches and you're good to go. He kind of bounced up and down on the side on the sideline. You could see him when Izzo put up Stephen Izzo put up that three mm-hmm. um, at the end of the game. So I think Rob, I wish he made that. I no he. I'm I'm adamant about this. Stephen Izzo cannot shoot a. Th- Stephen Izzo cannot make a three pointer unless there is a full Izzo. And that's yeah, not like me. Right. Like that's not like a jinxing thing. Like it wouldn't be right. Like it would be like it would be wrong. Like it would be like. My mother just walked into the office. It would be like incest porn if Stephen Izzo hit an open three and there was no one there to and there was no one there to hear see it. Yeah. <laughs> It, 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 when he went, he went for it though, and I did stand up, and I I don't stand up for a lot of things. So it would be a crime against it would be a crime against God if Stephen Izzo made a, <laughs> made a three pointer in an empty Breslin Center. Um, I I have to comment on the depth. Like fifteen, all fifteen guys played. Um, I think that's huge, even though only you know more than or about half of them only played four minutes max. Like getting those guys in the rotation, just getting them some game time is really nice because you never know if one of the big players has to sit out for a week or two because of COVID, then that, you know, you're going to lose a game or two, but you might get development to where, you know, a guy like Maddie Sissoko or AJ Hogard could get, could have like a Malik Hall against Seton Hall game. You know, I, I think I just really like seeing all the guys play. And I know it was a blowout, but. I still like seeing everyone gets get at least two or three minutes of game time. On on even other teams that are in the top twenty five, guys like Maddie Sissoko or AJ Hogard are are playing or seeing a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's a testament to their depth is just how like how, how how late in the game you saw those guys. I mean, I was waiting to see Maddie Sissoko for <laughs> for a, very early in the game, at least. So I was like, okay, well, I, I'm stoked to see him. Nope, didn't show up uh, until later. And and no, it was awesome. They were they were great. That game was uh, up, and then they they you know their margin kind of shrank a little bit in the same way that uh, Michigan's was. They played like shit, and then they kind of came back. And that that um, it was just a, a great like opposite ends of the spectrum to see. And um, I mean, it was fun. To be fair, um, I don't remember a lot of parts of the game because by then I drank through the Michigan game and then the Northwestern game, and then by the time we got to that, uh, I was on waters. But uh, great time. 
Uh, Gabe Brown, alley-oops, all day. That's all I want. And Bingham not creeping out to the three-point line and being down low and hitting those jump shots. And Aaron Henry not looking, looking meek. How many times does Aaron Henry look nervous about things? And there he's playing competent. I think, I think he just, he looks like, uh, he looks like he's taking the team leader thing to heart and rocket Watts. I mean, I, there was going to be a part in the season where he takes over from foster lawyer. And I think everyone, including foster lawyer knows it, but they're just waiting for either Tom Izzo hasn't shit on him enough or whatever he does to, to get, you know, rocket angry at the basket or or at that point. Cause Rocket Watts last year was incredible. When he finally started playing amazing, it was very noticeable. And then I think Tom Izzo's probably starting to try to kind of jumpstart him again and then put him above Foster Lawyer. I mean, even though appreciate Foster Lawyer and, you know, I want him to surfboard someone tomorrow, but, you know, regardless, uh, like, yeah, I, I, I think this team has a lot of potential obviously. And I think they have an insane amount of depth that late season uh, basketball requires. So I, I, there is a tournament, hopefully. Um, there let's will fucking be. go. I'm ready today. Yeah. Um, I, I think rocket rocket needs to shake the rust ru- rocket needed, excuse me, to shake the rust off. And I think because of that bone bruise that he, that he took in practice, uh, he had a little more rust on him than most. Yeah. So he kind of needed to he kind of needed to you know figure figure himself out a little bit. I think he's getting back to where he finished last year. Um hopefully the hopefully his rolled ankle doesn't doesn't set him back any further. Uh but you know the main story for me guys the first two games is is Joshua Langford. Yep. I mean he he started out pretty rough his first his first shot attempt was an air ball but it, he's he's playing he's playing basketball like someone who hasn't had to miss 700 days and almost medically retired from the sport it it's incredible to, it's incredible to see from him uh lucas you know josh Lang, did you expect this kind of production out of josh langford this soon not this soon i thought it would take a couple of weeks for him to get back in game shape, but it's, it's obvious he's put in the work the minute that he could be cleared to resume basketball activities. He did not take this opportunity for granted. That's, that's evident. And um, it just makes me pine for, for reliving that Texas tech game with him in the lineup. Like just oh. the way he's confident in himself again. Like I just, I know we touched on that earlier with uh, Mr. Wonderful. Um, but I really – I can't wait to see what he's going to do. He, he's going to win two or three games just for that just for that mid-range jump shot. And if he can shoot that three consistently, even better. It's all gravy. It would have been great with him uh, in, the, in the Texas Tech game with, with Cassius, you know, being a bum. He, he, he would have been able to hit the jump shot, the mid-jump shots, and he probably would have shredded that defense. Matt, you're, you're referencing something that the people haven't heard yet. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's. <laughs> oh, I mean, we just would have had one more player, but yeah. Um... So, um, looking forward to tonight against Duke. Um, 
I'm going to be honest. I don't know. I don't know a ton about Duke. Um, I know they make TikToks, and that automatically <laughs> makes me think that they're cringe and they suck. Uh, but you know, have um, what do you, has have either of you guys caught 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 some Duke action this year? Caught some Dukes on your chest? I don't know. What do you guys? Have you uh, ever anything from the Blue Devils? I I haven't. I choose not to watch Duke whenever I can because fuck them. Um, I do know that they don't have Vernon Carey this year, and he seemed to be the only issue last year. What a fucking monster he was last year. Vernon Carey. Oh, my God. I can't wait for future Detroit Piston Vernon Carey. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be an interesting team to see Duke when they're, uh, when they're not able to pay their players. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what, uh, what goes on with that team. Um, I'm excited for them uh, to lose to the Spartans this year. Um, and just kind of, you know, what, what they do, that, that bullshit with their, uh, their stadium too. Is that they, they didn't want to do a neutral site? Yeah. They, they agreed. I'm glad you brought that up, Matt. That was going to be my question to you guys before we threw it to, before we threw it to our interview with Shitbird. Uh, I'm going to set a date for you guys. And you're going to tell me before or after that date, Duke returns the favor and comes back and comes to play a game in East Lansing, Michigan. Uh December 31st, 2023. Oh, no, no, not before James. or after that date. After. Yeah. Yeah, they'll they'll uh they'll avoid it like the plague. We we will play on an aircraft carrier again before that'll happen. It, was, was that, whoa, 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 whoa. Was that aircraft carrier game slander? Because I thought that was pretty dope. No, it's dope. I'm gonna say we're gonna play on one. Coming up, Bill Beekman's going to be able to arrange an aircraft carrier game by the time Duke wants to play in East Lansing. Yeah. I'm saying 2025 at the earliest. So, uh, anyone watch hockey? Anyone watch a hockey game? I, I didn't How do you watch, watch it, but I heard about it. Like, like Mr. Mr. Hockey guy paid $55 to watch that. And I'm like, if they make it that hard to watch <laughs> that hockey game, I – I can't tune in. I don't want to. I haven't paid $55 for I haven't paid $55 to watch sports since the since the Tyson Pacquiao fight or the Mayweather Pacquiao fight. <laughs> so I don't like 55 is that that's BTN plus. Is that a yearly subscription or is he paying $55 just whatever. Hockey one, basketball one football won it was a great day to be a spartan and, and michigan lost at football the, the michigan lost continues to flush michigan lost at football and then michigan oakland university ou oh yeah took the took the basketball team to overtime on sunday so you know it was coming from my perspective i spent all day sunday in in a bliss because i didn't have to i wasn't i didn't feel compelled to watch the Lions do something stupid because I had gotten that out of the way on Thursday. Uh, so it's, you know, it, it was all coming up roses for old Spartan dog 97. <laughs> oh, same. It was, it was, yeah. it went from, you know what? Hopefully Penn state wins. And then Penn state was winning. And then it was like, Oh, by the way, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn are gone. Oh, by the way, 
Now Michigan State's beating Northwestern. They won. Now you get to watch them win. I, I was living the whole Saturday going at least MSU's probably going to win at basketball. And every good thing kept kind of happening in a row. Amazing, you know, and, and it, you know, you're not gonna you're not gonna be sad when your rival loses to a team that hasn't uh, hasn't won a game this season. So that was the first time that the vaunted University of Michigan had lost to an zero and five team ever mm. in their mm. entire history. Ever, so, ever. They've been. I mean, like it's kind of that. It's kind of a bullshit stat because they played like. They played like Owen two like Ann Arbor School for the Blind or whatever in 1913. So like, did the know, blind kids beat them? No, the blind kids oh. did not. Um, they played it in Ann Arbor, and the refs, the refs, you, they talked the school for the blind into letting the refs use hand motions instead of whistles. So it was a massacre. It was a straight up massacre. So. Uh, what you're about to hear is a fucking roller coaster of back-to-back interviews. Uh, first, uh, we had our friend Tim, co-host of the Spartan Crazies podcast with Ryan McCumber. Check them out. Uh, Tim had to leave shortly after we finished recording to go record that. So um, Matt, Tim and Ryan, very knowledgeable folks. Mm-hmm. Ryan's helped me out before on the Bacon Wire podcast. Yeah, filled in for me. Yeah, filled in for Lucas. Um, so thanks to Tim. Uh, I'm not going to thank Akil. Uh, <laughs> I'm just not going to. And then Lucas and I sat down with Paul Morissette, who is the social media coordinator for MSU football. We talked about the game day posters, uh, what, how, the, how making content for MSU football works, and the differences – um, of how social media is run under Coach Tucker. Um, so that was a really great interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, stick around for that if you can after the Akeel interview. and then <laughs> Maybe take um, some Advil afterwards. Yeah, I would recommend pausing, uh, screaming into a pillow, and then resuming the podcast. <laughs> and, you know, stay tuned next next week because we have a very special guest i'll tell you guys about at the very very end matt thank you so much for joining us this week man it's been a pleasure it's it's Thanks, the, the pleasure's all here this has been an honor what a what a great time all right time you- all right here's here's a keel i guess All right, we now welcome on our friend Tim Luminati, co-host of the Spartan Crazies podcast. Tim, what's going on? How's it going, fellas? Good. We also have on uh, Twitter user Akil. Akil, I just want to hop right into it with you because I have a hard time understanding anything you ever say on Twitter. <laughs> um, let's start with let's start with your take that Cassius was terrible in the final four game against, against Texas Tech. Um, the floor is yours, I suppose. Okay, so first of all, the take isn't that Cassius was terrible. Um, the take was simply the fact that when you look back and watch that game in the final four, a whole lot of that offense that year was simply predicated around Cassius Winston being Cassius Winston. Which he was for a lot of what that whole year. It was him being a dog, posting double doubles every single night, twenty and ten guy. 
Um, but that was a huge chunk of our offense. And then the moment he kind of snapped, um, he was he wasn't really there. You kind of see the offense break down quite a bit. And I think that was more the fact that hey, it's not that catch is bad. It's just that so much of that offense was centered around him. And if he's not playing well, you like you're just not as good. Yeah, it's kind of like when a star quarterback gets injured, the offense isn't as effective. Can you imagine that? That's kind of crazy to me. I can't even comprehend that someone not – the point guard of a basketball team not playing well will result in the entire basketball team not not playing well. That is – that's crazy to me. I can't even comprehend that take. That's so insane. Yep, that was that was it. And I also wanted to talk to you about your take that Rick that if Rick Carlisle wanted to coach Michigan State basketball, he would have the job. And oh. you said that if any school offered Rick Carlisle ten million dollars, that he would leave the NBA where he coaches a a second year unicorn in Luka Doncic to basically to basically be a college basketball coach when one, no coach in any college sport is paid $10 million. Dabo and Nick Saban might get there after their various ad deals and promotions and stuff. But I, but you're saying that a coach would take a downgrade in competition just for the hell of it. No. So, all right. Um, a huge part of me on Twitter is just a lot of what I do is troll. Like, I'm I'm very cool with that. Like, that's great. Love it. Uh, but then the thing is, it happened overnight, and I just got aggregated so much as it happens that I was just like, you know what, fuck it. I just got to double down on it. I got to triple down on it. Got to quadruple down on it. Um, Rick Carlisle, great coach. Probably never going to coach college basketball. Why would he do it? Zero chance of that happening. Um, I think, though, let's say if there was any program that would take him, no Blue Blood would take Rick Carlisle. No. They're all set. They have coaches. Um, But let's say if it is a school like, let me figure out, okay, U of M, Ann Arbor. If, let's say, he wanted to coach there, I can maybe see that happen if he really wanted to do that. But like you said, he's probably never going to leave the NBA. So U of M, Ann Arbor, should they have a coaching vacancy? And should Rick Carlisle be available? That would presume that he would get fired, would take a pay cut to go, to go coach college basketball and deal with college basketball personalities first of all he's probably never gonna leave the nba he loves the nba he's been an nba lifer um that was me more that was just me just being me more than anything he's probably never leaving the nba so you started a twitter shitstorm just so you could like get your rocks off I don't really get my rocks off. I think, I think I tweet very fast, and I don't know what really happened. And then I went to bed that night, 
And I think everything just got aggregated to the point where I didn't know. And I was like, all right, I guess I kind of got to roll with the punches on this one more than anything else. Tim, you have an inquisitive look on your face. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I have to say, Akil, this whole shitstorm went down under my tweet that had legit nothing to do with this. So that was cool. But was that, Oh, that is... Oh, oh man, if I were you, I would have muted that so bad, man. I did. I did. That's why I said, you know, no big deal. But I have to say, I'm surprised by what you're saying right now. Because you didn't come off as a person that had this sort of um, meaning or purpose behind it. I don't know if other people read it differently, but um, your tone is very matter of fact. Are you aware of that? Wait, I couldn't hear that. You got a little broken up there. You kind of got gargled. (laughs) Your tone on Twitter is pretty matter of fact. Are you aware of that? Oh, so, yeah, yeah, I could probably see that more than anything, for sure. I'm just perplexed because you're so willing to double, triple, quadruple down on Twitter, and then you're coming on to here, and you're immediately, the first thing you do whenever these takes are brought up is you hedge. Hedge. Oh, man. Um... I think for me in those takes that I had, I think the the one that I think started, I don't even know how it devolved into that. Like if I went back into that conversation, I, like I don't know how it got there. I have zero idea. Um, man, let me tell you, I don't, I do not know how I got there. You, you are, you are aware that you don't have to tweet, correct? Oh, but just you can just leave it alone. You don't have oh. to hit send. Um, and I I wish I deleted that one or tweeted through it. I just see the thing was I just didn't know. Like there's usually some of those I could pull back and get rid of, but you know, hey, you what didn't you know? You didn't know that it was a shitty tweet, or you didn't I know. Just, no. I just didn't know that it would get aggregated as bad as it did. That's more than anything else is probably what I would say. So you use the word aggregated. I would use the term dunked on, but you know, that's just, I suppose, a difference in terminology. Uh, we'll, I'd, say, I'd say the same. We'll call, it a, we'll call it a colloquialism, I suppose. Uh, you know what? And like, I mean, Twitter's all fun and jokes me. Like, I do not take it seriously at all. So, like, if I if you want to say I got quote unquote done done here, I'm here for I'll roll you, with it. You don't take it seriously yet. You're willing to double, triple, quadruple down on a shit take. Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird brand to have as a person, but you know, I'll, I guess I'll do it. Lucas, you also look pretty perplexed. I, I admire the. I wouldn't say admire. I'm astonished by the effort, but I'm just blown away by the take. I'm I'm still blown away by it, and I mean, that that's all I have to say. I'm I'm just perplexed at this moment. I'm I'm muting again. I just it's 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 like a roller coaster, and I just I'm here for the ride. So you you call you you called Rick Carlisle a top five coach in the NBA, and you cite and you cite. And you cite various sources, the ringer, uh, whatever. 
but what makes you think Rick Carlisle would be successful in a single elimination tournament format when he hasn't won a best of four playoff series in almost a decade? All right. So best of four playoff series, 100%. He hasn't won one. Sucks. He'll probably get there soon. He has Luca, a ton of good dudes out there. Um, I think the biggest thing for him is offensively, that dude is a mastermind. Um, he's created best offense in the NBA last year. Um, by far, no offense was better than them. Um, so let me, let me stop you right there. So you, your whole – I want to tie the takes I brought up together. You, you've said that Michigan State, when Cassius is on – they were an unbeatable offense. And your problem was that in the final four game against Texas Tech, Cassius wasn't on. So is Rick, Car- Rick Carlisle is an offensive mastermind, maybe, but it's only attributed to the fact that Luka was on. And when Luka wasn't on, the Mavericks weren't successful. Do you see, do you see the discrepancy okay, in what you're trying to say? flip that around they were still really good with Luca off the floor like that's the other part about it it wasn't this whole thing they were averaging almost 30 something assists a game they were just really good this whole year it wasn't just a Luca show trying to do whatever he can do to get W's um that was a huge part of it for sure but um there was definitely a lot more of the spreading of the wealth than it was him just playing hero ball I don't think Cassius was playing hero ball necessarily. This is where I'm getting lost because you, you, you say, you say that like Cassius is Cassius is like dribbling the ball for 24 seconds and then deciding what to do with it. And that's just not how a Tom Izzo offense runs. I guess I should ask you this question. Have you ever watched a Michigan State basketball game before? Oh, man, absolutely. Um, hold up. Let me pull something up for you here. Um, sheesh. All right, last year, um, what year was that? 2018, um, after Nick Ward went down and X moved over to center those last two months, uh, on average per possession out of a shot clock, Cassius Winston had the ball for 75% of a possession for those past two, last two months. So, yeah, that is a huge chunk of Cassius having the basketball in his hand, trying to make a play, correct. But, but what? Tim, Tim, can you, can you respond to this? <clears throat> okay, so you're oversimplifying. Um, what Cassius does, yes, he was the point guard, um, and that stat I'm sure is accurate. It sounds right, but um, the actions that Michigan State run out of a ball screen are some of the most complicated in all of NCAA. Um, that's why you see younger kids from Michigan State struggle um, because they're playing in this crazy sort of football playbook type of um, offense that it really is inspired by football um, with all of the actions that they run. Um, it's far from a simple offense. Now, if you want to make a general statement, like 
their best player doesn't play well, they lose. I mean, sure, that's a take, I guess. But it's just like that, worth nothing. You can nothing. say that about any basketball team from eight under AAU to the NBA. The Lakers, the Lakers weren't doing well when Kobe wasn't playing well. I mean, that's fucking. That's a fucking ridiculous take. Well, it's pretty- it's the most common sense take ever. The Buccaneers don't win when Tom Brady isn't playing well. Yeah, and I'll get back to his point. It's there. It did get oversimplified after after Nick Ward went down. Right, you lost a lot of offense there. And basically, the grand scheme of thing, it was Cash just running a high ball screen off top and trying to make some type of play. And what I always relate that to is whenever you see a really good boxer, right, and all they have is a right hook, and them just giving you a right hook every but, single time. But a boxer, it, but a boxer is the boxer is alone <laughs> in a the boxer is alone in a in a in a boxing ring. Okay. There are and, four other players on a, on the floor. Yeah, but then also the four other players really weren't giving you that much offensively. So it really was just him trying to make everything happen. It's pretty simple. I'd like to point out that Cassius Winston is one of the most efficient players in conference history and that keeping the ball in his hands is the direct reason for their success. Um, it's kind of going back and forth. Of you're saying they're good when he's good, they're bad when he's bad. But you do realize that the team that stopped them was the best the one defense in, the college basketball. in 20 years. You're talking about a very anomalous occasion. Like it's so simple. Oh, it was so simple. It was their downfall. If anything, it was their success. So you would be like exactly wrong in that respect. Oh, they played maybe the best defense ever. Texas Tech was great, and actually. I kind of hate how they play defense. I think it's kind of grotty. That's a different subject for a different day. Um, I do think when it does get oversimplified because, yes, it is Cashman's and making a ton of plays, and I think a lot of it was just him trying to get people to bail him out, but then Quaid couldn't hit shots. Everybody else couldn't hit shots, and that's pretty much – that's basically the ball game there. So explain what you mean by Cash was looking for other people to bail him out. You mean he was passing to his teammates, trying to create shots for them? Basically, I mean, yeah, yeah not bail him out. But, yeah, you'd make reads out of ball screens. Basically, whoever was weak side corner, if somebody helps, sticks down. People were missing shots, yes, for sure. That's basically just what happened. But – a lot of it was Cash getting taken out of the game and other people weren't hitting, um, then you kind of just get screwed. That's basically what happened. So whose who's blame do you, rest, do you rest that on Cassius's shoulders for his teammates not being able to hit shots and the defense keying on him? So this, this isn't even a, like on Cassius's blame either. So, do you guys watch the NBA at all? Occasionally. Okay. Did you guys watch any of the Houston Rockets play at all? Anything? Why would I watch? I live in I live in Metro Detroit. Why would I? Okay. Why would okay. I even okay. have access to the Houston Rockets night in and night out? I mean, let's say playoffs. Let's say playoff basketball when they're in a series against Golden State. Are you watching that series? I watch a few games. Okay, for sure. So. Um, I relate it very, very closely, those two, to what James Harden did, right? 
And as great as James Harden was every single game in the regular season, and they he'd get triple-double, average 30 points a game, 10 assists per game, really good stuff, really good stuff. Um, it's It kind of gets to the point, and I think the best person who ever said it would be Kobe, rest in peace to him, is just the fact where if you just see one person with the ball running high ball screens every play, it just becomes too predictable. It really just, it, that's what it is. It's easy to key in on. And especially with the fact that people are missing shots, it's, it's like you know what's happening every single play. Tim, I'll defer to you because you watch more basketball than, than anyone I know. I don't know if that's accurate, but um, no, I, I knew exactly where you were going with this. Um, it's a fairly good example, uh, except the NBA plays in series, and in the NCAA, you don't. So if we were going to make it like for like, MSU plays Texas Tech in a series, we might be talking about something different. It's a one-off game where you're playing one of the best defenses in human history. Um, I, I really don't like your take. I do understand what you're saying. If you can stop the all of the ball screen actions, then you stop them. But it's the thing is, is nobody did. Um, Zion and Duke didn't do it. It just took a an anomalous sort of defense that I do think that um, Texas Tech with their long guards they caused Cassius um, problems. He struggled against long guards, but uh, relating the Houston ball screens to MSU isn't. It's not a perfect metaphor because Tom Izzo runs just a wacky sort of overcomplicated offense with a much longer shot clock. You don't see that kind of stuff in the NBA. But I do kind of see where you're going with that. Uh, again, I would just say you're saying their downfall was due to this. I would say it was really their success was due to that. You're speaking Cantonese, Akil, and the language of college basketball is Mandarin. You're – it's it's kind of the same thing phonetically in some cases, but it's wildly different. And saying that if you take away what a team does well and they win, I, my only response to that would be no shit. Like if you stop Mahomes, you're going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't yeah, understand what you're trying yeah. to say. Like if you stop what a team does well, of course, of course you're going to beat them. But I don't understand like why you're trying to like – why that's a source of blame. If anything, it's a source of credit on Texas Tech, who throughout the season and throughout the tournament had one of the best defenses by advanced metrics probably ever. So you're, so you're trying to use this one scenario in a single elimination tournament where, where a team was just perfectly, perfectly aligned to beat Michigan State, and you're using that as some kind of fault against Cassius Winston and Tom Izzo. It just doesn't work. Like, you're, you're, there's false equivalencies all over the place. No, I think part of that is true, and yes, it worked the whole year. Um, of course it did. It worked the whole year. Texas Tech was really freaking good defensively, for sure. And this wasn't even me necessarily saying this was bad, this was bad on Cash, this was bad on Tom. Partially, it was what they had to do 
because offensively that year, if you look around, they had no other main playmaker to physically make plays. So, of course, the ball kind of had to stick in Cassius's hands. My only other flip side comments is the fact that is, hey, like you said, if he, the ball does have to stay in Cassius's hand for a whole game, you basically have to play a perfect game for them to win every single game. But That's like it. but like Tim said, it doesn't have to stay in Cassius's hands out of some kind no, of necessity. Okay. It's not Cassius – it's it was not out of necessity, the, absolutely. It's not the it's not the Cassius Winston show because was Cassius was the best player on the floor. It wasn't out of necessity. It was out of Tom Izzo runs a complicated playbook that runs on the last two months. Are you going to fucking let me talk, or are you just going to keep trying to talk over me? The la- okay, just tell me that then. The last two months, who's making plays for that team then? Cassius Winston, Matt McQuaid, Kenny Goins, Xavier Tillman. Those are the people who made plays. Matt McQuaid wasn't make just plays. That. He's a catch and shoot shooter. He he doesn't make plays. He's a catch, catch and shoot guy. Catching and shoot catching and shooting is a play. I don't know. Did you watch Duke? Did you watch Duke? Who makes those Answer Tim. Did you watch Duke? McQuaid dunked on a guy. He drove to the hoop and did a circus like one eighty finish. Yeah, a lot of- a lot of what a lot of what Matt McQuaid did was he was a pump fake one dribble guy. Out of he was two dribbles max, maybe it was him. He, two drove, he drove it. Yeah, his his first couple of years, you would have been right, but he drove it his senior year. Oh, he no. was part of. They don't get there without Matt McQuaid. They oh, don't no. win that Big Ten championship game. They don't. They might not beat Duke. And you're acting like. Cassius was doing everything. This was a complicated offense. It just starts in the exact same way every time. Um, and the reason that they kept doing it was strictly because it was insanely efficient. It was retardedly efficient. Sorry for the hard word. But it was, it was just... The offense with the most efficient player having the ball in their hands would be insanely efficient. That's basic. Yeah, and I mean, that's why they were winning all those games. And yes, they come up against the best defense ever. They happen to catch an L. I mean, it's a one-off tournament. That honestly, you're looking at as they failed. I looked at it as a massive success. I I I agree with you. I'm not disagreeing with you. So then I well, I was gonna say although it was disappointing. I mean, let's be real. We all wanted a a title, but go on. So if you disagree with us, why are you? If you if you agree with us in the fact that the in the fact that Cat in the fact that Tom Izzo's offense is complicated, it always starts. It always starts with with the ball in the point guard's hands, and and that fact would cause Cassius's usage rate to go up. And for the fact for him to have the ball in his hands on the majority of every possession, then then what are you trying? I don't even know what you're trying to say. See, like you're more than willing to double, triple, quadruple down on Twitter. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. And yet you're, and yet you're hedging right now, and yet you're hedging. You're saying that, like, yeah, I agree with you. No, I, I've, I've said the same thing. Ridiculously efficient offense. Once again, it was a top what five offense in the country that year. It's just the fact that once again, I'll keep saying it. It's pretty simple. It's if he doesn't play well and 95% of your offense is catered around him making plays, he has to be perfect every single game for you to win. He shot more shots than points scored that game. Like, what are we doing? He shot 20 shots on the end of the 16. But that's not, that's not even close to true. He's, if, 
shot. Of course, if your of course if your best player doesn't play well, you don't win. That's just like a fact of life. But to say that, but to say what you're saying and saying that, yes, you're contradicting yourself because you're saying yes, it was it's a ridiculously efficient offense, but in the one case where it goes up against a it goes up against a world beater defense, it's all of a sudden not efficient. Tim, Tim, can you like, can you like try to put what I'm trying to say in like basketball language because basketball nerd language, because I'm, I'm having a real tough time trying to translate here. It's, I mean, I think Akil knows what you're saying. He's kind of, he is hedging. Let's be real. But Akil, I think we all sort of in our heads thought that you might not, you know, quadruple down on on the podcast that you would probably hedge a little bit um it is simple enough to have a take say oh i knew it cassius has a bad game they lose but it's like are you really having a take quake man like is that really like a profound thought not really um it was an incredible season he broke he broke the assist record his efficiency was off the charts um and they just happened to catch an l and you know what Matt McQuaid hits that one shot, we might be talking about an entirely different conversation. And that's Matt McQuaid, okay? I don't know if you can disagree with that. That's not on Cassius that he, he misses that shot. You can't blame that on him. I get, I get that. So I, I just think it's you were just kind of having a take to have one, and I think there was probably a lot of influence from that Kobe-Houston Rockets thing, which I understand the point. It's just a little bit of apples to oranges. I mean, they are they're two different games. Oh, and partially, this is a huge thing for me on my end. I'm way more of an NBA guy. I'll watch NBA basketball 24-7. Like, I'm a league pass guy. Like, the only two college basketball teams I watch are Michigan State and Villanova. I'm extremely partial to Villanova because Jay Wright, I think, is probably the best coach in college basketball. And their game probably is closer to the NBA. Um, so once again, like the NBA just has better players, right? So everything's kind of more of a perfect world and it's kind of tough because kids in college just aren't as good. So, I mean, that's definitely more of the equation too than anything else. So, so you admit that you're mostly ignorant regarding how college basketball works. No, I, I watch Michigan state and every, just about them and, two schools but i mean outside of that part of my time yeah so you're you came to that take without the knowledge that all season texas tech had a top five defense in the nation i did know that going into the game correct okay so why were you surprised that they were why are you like why are you so like they took away they took away cassius and like you're you're like Tim said, you're oversimplifying a complicated. You're taking away context from a from a situation, and like you double, triple, quadruple down on it on social media, and you come you come on here, and you're like, well, you guys are kind of right in this place. You're absolutely right in that place. You know, I'm not a full college basketball guy yet on yet on social media. Your, your end all be all. Your Haralabob meets fucking Andy Katz meets John Rostein. 
Oh, fuck those guys. Um, I mean, eh, I kind of talk like that, sure. And I think more than anything, um, if you really want to focus in once again on just that particular game, like you said, it is technically, once again, that and what's the next one that will probably come to mind, Syracuse. When we went what three for twenty one from three, what was whatever awful percentage that is, like the percentage of that chance is happening again is probably next to zero. So that's another one off game, and sadly that is what college basketball is. It's tournament time; you only get one game. It's not like it's a series. If it's a series, and you play seven, who knows? Maybe you could probably win four of those or get close. But yeah, and I mean. Once again, like, this is not me saying Cassius was awful. This is not me saying Iz was awful. This is what Izzo basically had to do. You had no other main playmakers who could physically make plays for other you people. You say that, and yet Tim Tim brings up the fact that there have been other playmakers throughout that year. So I don't understand why you the other who's, Once again, I'll, I'll, I, I told you I'll disagree the with playmakers that. Were. I'll disagree with that until I'm blue in the face. There were not other playmakers on that basketball team. There, there absolutely were other playmakers on that team. I don't know how you can say that there weren't other playmakers on that team and think that it was only one player in a single, elite, single elimination tournament who got them to that point. I didn't say it was just one player, but I'm people. But you're saying, but you're the saying time. there are no other playmakers. So if there are no, if there's nobody on that team who can make plays other than Cassius Winston, according to you. Then the logical conclusion to that take is Cassius Winston is the only is the only person who could have gotten Michigan State to that point, and that just wasn't true. Some of the biggest shots of this of that season were that's not hit shot. were not hit by Cassius Winston. That's like saying Kyrie hit a shot, but basically Kyrie was the one who got the Cavs to win the one year that the Warriors were seventy three and nine and they lost. But that's that's I don't think you understand. That's kind of what you're what you yeah, yourself no. are saying. No, I'm saying the fact that just because he hit a shot, it doesn't mean you're a playmaker. It just means you hit a shot. But he was hitting shots all year. Kyrie was hitting, hitting shots all year. You're, well, see, Ky- you're, you're saying that, you're saying that like, Le- this is the same thing that I, this is the same problem I have with Brown sexuals, right? Is when LeBron succeeds, LeBron's doing it all himself. When LeBron fails, it's he doesn't have any help. Cassius oh. had Cassius had other playmakers on that roster. Oh, oh, it's the fact that the fact that that's, you can't Martyr comprehend the fact Martyr, that basically. yes, that's what it was. It was murder ball. It wasn't murder. That's how Tom Izzo offenses run. It wasn't hero ball. It wasn't the Martyr twenty. Ball. It wasn't the twenty thirteen Michigan team. Just because you keep repeating it over me talking doesn't make it true. So, right. Akil, I'm going to ask you this before we end here. Um, so you bring up that you're a troll and all this stuff. Um, would you consider trolling, catfishing, making a fake account to get close to someone on a Discord server? What was that, man? Would you consider catfishing, getting close to someone, catfishing to get close to someone on a Discord server and getting yourself banned? Oh, that with troll? Oh, man, let me tell you. Um, that was something that I did not do. That was my car that went through for sure, but that was something that I did not do. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Looking for the ultimate stocking stuffers this holiday season? Look no further because our sponsors, Manscaped, have the tools to make you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. 
Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below the waist grooming and hygiene products and great news, they just released their products across Europe, Canada, and Australia. Before Manscaped, I never really shaved down there. You know, maybe like once a month. I'm ashamed to admit it, once a year. But now I'm shaving every week. A few of their products that are prime stocking stuffers this season are the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. The name speaks for itself. The Crop Reviver Ball Toner, a spray-on toner that'll give your balls a little slice of heaven with our aloe vera and hazel extracts. The Crop Cleanser Body Wash, a full body wash that you can also use on your hair. Fellas, you know how much we love our two and three in ones. The Crop Mop Ball Wipes. You never know when an opportunity strikes, so you should always be prepared. Our Foot Duster Foot Deodorant, designed to keep the stankiest smelling feet fresh. Uh, Shears 2.0, a luxury four-piece nail kit. And the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Trimmer, which provides proprietary skin-safe technology to get rid of those nasty nose hairs. And let's not forget about the best trimmer for your butt, balls, and body. The Lawnmower 3.0 Trimmers offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents. All of these formulations are vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free, so you know they're legit. You can get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code BACON. Whether this is for your partner, your dad, a brother, a friend, get them something that they will actually use, and it's almost sure to get a laugh. So get 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped with promo code BACON. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. Now here's our interview with MSU Football Social Media Coordinator, Paul Morissette. All right, we now welcome on creative video intern and social media manager for Michigan State football, Paul Morissette. Paul, how are you doing? Wonderful, guys. How are you? We're doing great. So um, our first question for you is, uh, what's like your origin story? Like, how did you get into, into managing the social media accounts for MSU football? So it started back when I was in college. I went to a film school out in Grand Rapids, and I um, met a buddy there who ended up coming or going to Michigan State. He's the one that brought me here, Austin Flynn. You guys have probably seen him around. He um, was working at the Grand Rapids Drive at the time, and he's, which is a minor league uh, basketball team in the G League. It was the affiliate to the Pistons. And he said, hey, man, I'm looking for a uh, – somebody to come work with me who has a camera and you have a camera. And so I uh, hopped on board with him, went there and I worked there for, or I entered there for about two years in college and I just did creative video. I kind of dabbled with social media and then he went to Michigan state and said, there's an opening over here. Why don't you come with me? So I've kind of followed him around since uh, college and it landed me here. So that's kind of my origin story. Excellent. So um, I kind of wanted to ask you about um, the Twitter account. Like, obviously, as fans of the as fans of Michigan State, like we've noticed a we've noticed a change of how the social media accounts operate under Coach Mel Tucker. Uh, How much like how much influence does the staff have in in how the accounts are run, if any? 
Uh, Coach Tuck has, a, has had a lot of influence as soon as he walked in the door. Um, he he kind of gave us a lot of freedom um, to he, – he has a lot of trust in us. I mean, if we do our jobs right, he's going he's gonna to stay out of our ear. But um, as soon as he walked in the door, he, he placed his trust in uh, Derek's hand, and uh, Derek is our creative director, and kind of let us run with it. And we're just trying to carry out his vision uh, while portraying his personality and uh, I mean, Michigan State fans want to be inside and they want to see see what's going on. And I think that's the biggest thing that Coach Tuck has wanted to bring um, and also open a door up for recruits on social media to see what Michigan State football is and our personality. So I think that was a big thing as soon as he walked in the door. Awesome. And I also, I wanted to know what goes into a Michigan State football tweet? Like, is there... Is there some kind of plan that, like, is there planned out, like, we're going to tweak this on Monday, this yeah. on Tuesday, this on Thursday? Like, what, yeah. like, what is the day-to-day, like, what is the day-to-day like of running the MSU football account? So the day-to-day life kind of goes, I mean, we have a creative uh, meeting every Friday um, with our chief of staff and our recruiting department. And they kind of just see how the, how things are going. They help us with ideas and we just talk shop and see what we think is best for the next coming up week. And we'll create a content calendar. Um, but a lot of the stuff you see sometimes a spur of the moment. So if something happens in the NFL, Kirk Cousins throws a touchdown and it's sweet. We want to, we want to um, blow that up on Twitter. And so we'll do it right then and there, or I'll see a tweet that I think is good. And, um, I'll just snap a finger, just react to it, and then throw it up on social. I mean, everything has its approval process, and our chief of staff and uh, Coach Tuck have trust in us that we're not going to slip up. So, I mean, we we plan a lot of stuff out, I would say, but some of it's spur of the moment. Um, just depends on what's going on throughout the week, uh, what the mood is, and all that kind of stuff. So, there's a couple things that go um, go with it, but um, most of it's most of it's planned out, I would say. So I have to I have to ask you this, and I'm not sure I'm not sure if you're going to be able to answer this or not. But um, the the Thursday after the Rutgers game, mm-hmm. uh, you guys posted a video clip. It was like two minutes long, and it was a montage of practices. And the entire two minute video was like all ball security drills. So was that like a was that like a conscious decision that you guys made to make that montage? Was that a yeah. staff decision? Like, how did that come about? I think that was a conscious conscious decision. I mean, um, I mean, we want to we want to kind of control the narrative a little bit. I mean, we the the fans are gonna say what they want and do what they want and all that kind of stuff, and we want to let them know like these things happen and we do work on them. I mean, I think a lot of people forget that we are in here working and we are fixing our, our mistakes and, and we want to portray that. And that's part of Tuck's uh, coach Tuck's mentality is just um, get ahead and fix what you can fix. And so I think that he's all, I think he wanted to portray right when he got in the door that he is these mistakes or these errors are going to be, be fixed with the snap of a finger and he wants people to know that and so I think that was a big thing that, that was pretty conscious that was a conscious effort um 
And I think fans responded to what we put out. I think they were like happy to see what we were doing. And so, um, I mean, they're going to say what they want to say. And I mean, at the end of the day, we got to do our jobs and whatever they say is what they say. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a conscious effort, but we, we did what we had to do. <laughs> I, I personally thought it was pretty funny. I'm yeah. not going yeah, to, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm like that. That's pretty good. I can't, yeah. I can't, you know, game recognized game. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the game day posters, like this year, you guys have made posters for each game. Yep. Uh, you, was, had, was there planning in advance? Like as soon as you guys found out the schedule, you knew you were going to do this post, you were going to do the posters or did you just do it for the Rutgers game and you found that it got a lot of engagement and you decided to continue? Derek is an incredible designer. I mean, you guys have seen his stuff. Derek, Blaze, and Lizzie are all incredible. Derek's the one that does the uh, posters. And we kind of talked about it through uh, the um, a couple weeks before the first game of, like, what kind of stuff that we wanted to release on social media um, throughout the week. So um, we talked about the game posters, and the game posters were a huge hit right from the start. I mean, they've been awesome since we started doing it. And Derek's been just doing an incredible job. That Rutgers poster was awesome with the, with the night helmet and then the Spartan head next mm-hmm. to it. And so I would give all 100%, well, 99% credit to Derek on that one and then 1% for me, to me for clicking, uh, clicking tweet on it. So, um, no, those, those are something that I would um, keep your eye out for because we'll probably keep doing that for the rest of the season. And I mean, hopefully beyond that, because I mean, Derek just does an incredible job at those posters and people love them. So. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. And, you know, obviously um, name image and likeness rights are something that are kind of on the minds of a lot of college football fans and people within athletic departments. One thing that I have noticed and other people have noticed is that when you guys tweet out recruiting graphics, you guys include their social media handles is um, and I know that when we've talked to Darian in the past, he's, he, you know, his job is focusing on helping players build their brand. So is that some, is that a way for brand outreach on behalf of these players from Michigan state? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's huge. We want to give our players a voice. I mean, we think of these recruits, but also at the same time, we have a bunch of players in this building that we're trying to brand as well. And that's, that's huge. We want to give our players a voice. We want to give them a personality. We want people to see them because I mean, with football, you got to think these guys are wearing helmets on the field. So not a lot of people get to see their faces and not a lot of people get to see their personality. And so that's the biggest thing when we're on social media is trying to portray these guys and trying to give them a voice. Everybody recognizes rocket Watts when he walks down walks down the hall because you see his face on TV. But when the guy takes his helmet off, when Rocky Lombardi takes his helmet off, and when Jaden Reed takes his helmet off, we want people to know who they are and give them a voice. And uh, that's huge. We want to brand our guys. And especially with recruiting, that's definitely coming up too. So. Yeah. And uh, the recruiting the recruiting outreach, I notice, has taken a, a, massive, a massive step up under, yep. under uh, Mel Tucker. Um, so were you here 
forgive me, Paul, but were you here under, um, under coach D'Antonio where you at? Michigan? I was, I was here for his last year. Okay. Yep. So could you imagine Colt Bowman tweeting out a GIF? Does, do you think Colt Bowman knows what a GIF is? <laughs> coach Bowman's a great guy. I don't know. Um, I don't know about if he knows or knows GIFs, but I, I mean, he might, I, I, I don't want to put that past coach Bowman. He might. So yeah, but with coach, with coach Tuck, he's, Honestly, Coach Tuck has been phenomenal at just giving us a lot of freedom, but I, I want to give a lot of credit to Jeff Martz and our chief of staff. Um, Jeff, Jeff just recognize, recognizes what needs to be done, and one of those things that needs to be done is helping these recruits start their brand now. I mean, that's, that's huge. And Jeff, Jeff has a lot of trust in us and that we'll help these kids, and these, these recruits are really responding to that. I mean – when you put their when you put their Twitter handles in a graphic and you put their Instagram handles in a graphic, they love that because we want to drive people to their page, um, and so that's that's a big thing right now. And Jeff has done a great job at preaching that, and Darian has done an even phenomenal job at helping us with that. And I mean, if anybody knows what these players want, it's Darian because he played here and he knows what it's like, and he's creating a personal relationship with these guys and. He's telling us what they want. And so, um, yeah, I want to – I, we couldn't do it without those guys. I mean, they're, they're awesome with helping us. And so, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Lucas, do you have any questions for Paul before I keep going? Uh, Paul, I had – I have two, but I, I forgot one of them. Okay. But yeah. the, the one that I thought of, like, you know, you're running – I see your personal account, and I see, you know, obviously you're running MSU Football Twitter helping. Have you ever – I know you're not a controversial tweeter just from looking at your timeline. I'm not trying to disparage you in any way, Yeah. but like, have you ever, were you ever about to tweet something that was supposed to be on your account and then accident? And then you looked at the last second and saw the, the Spartan helmet and we're like, Oh, I better fix <laughs> yeah. that real quick. Um, I, that is probably one of my biggest fears <laughs> and knock on wood. I'm knocking on wood right now that I haven't been close to doing that because I'm very careful, but, um, <laughs> that has definitely been something that crosses my mind literally every time I tweet. Um, I think I think I take about 20, 25 minutes and just stare at my phone. And I'm just staring at my phone. I'm like, okay, um, just make sure the tweet's right. Make sure this is on my on the right account. And so I'm very careful. Knock on wood again, but um, I don't want to jinx myself on that. But I haven't been close as of yet. But um, yeah. <laughs> Um, and my other question, it was kind of piggybacking off of what, you know, the difference between Coach D'Antonio and Coach Tucker. Like when when Tucker came to MSU, it's like it's like instantaneously, the social media ca campaigns just got grander, grander. You know, just better and better. Um, could you feel that energy? Like it's like the moment you met Coach Tucker. Like I'm not trying to say he is a different coach from D'Antonio. Like yes, he really absolutely, yeah. Um, like, could you feel that, that energy, the, the minute that you, that you shook his hand? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he came in, he came in guns a blazing and it was awesome. I, <laughs> I mean, we have loved every second of it. I mean, this whole, entire staff is just incredible coaches, but great people. That's, that's the best part about them is they are just great people. And the last staff was as well. I mean, coach D was a phenomenal guy, saw so much success here. And right. I mean, they're just they're two different coaches and it's just who wants what 
Coach D saw value in different places and Coach Tucker sees value in other places. Mm-hmm. And um, we wanted to portray both. And Coach D was a lot of internal stuff. So he wanted uh, videos shown to just the team and all that kind of stuff. And Coach Tuck is, well, I want to show this to the fans and the recruits. And so it's just two different two different people, two different coaches, um, but both both phenomenal coaches, obviously. Both look at all the success that both of them have seen. So both work. Um, it just depends on who wants what. So, so um, changing gears here, Paul, when, uh, when you or the creative team are making content for a specific player on the roster, what does that collaboration process look like? Oh, I mean, it goes hand in hand. Everybody has a say. And that's what I love about um, our creative department is, I mean, we all sit pretty close to each other right here and we all just turn our chairs and just talk shop. I mean, bringing up an example, the Ricky White game. I mean, he instantaneously, we branded the name Slick Rick right then and right there. And then we, uh, the following Monday, we came back to work and we were like, we got to create him a branding piece. We got to, we got to push this name out. We got to let people know the name Slick Rick. We got to let people know who Ricky White is. And so we talked shop. Um, we talked to our uh, graphic designer, motion graphic designer, Blaze, and he got to work on it. And then the coolest part is this, he turns his chair around and says, hey, guys, what do you think of this? Or what should I do with this? Or how should I go? Uh, this way. And so it's a very collaborative effort. And I really think that's one of the biggest advantages with our creative team is how collaborative it is. And um, it's huge. I mean, it's, it's big, especially when you're, when you're in creative, you have to be willing to take criticism, but you also, um, you have to be, you have to be willing to collaborate. And I think that's what we do really, really well. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, Lucas, do you have any other questions? Mm, no, I think I'm good. I'm, I'm not trying to say I didn't have any, but I just asked the ones <laughs> that I was really curious about. But okay, I really, really appreciate you uh, answering mine, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, Paul, we appreciate you taking the time to come talk to us. Um, I'm sure you're a busy guy. And, uh, you know, we look forward to what you, to what you guys in the, creative, in the creative department have cooking up in the future. Yeah, keep looking out for those tweets. We're not going to stop. So um, that's that's the best part of this job is that we don't stop. So, yeah, keep watching out for those tweets and showing them love. So I appreciate you guys having me on. This has been awesome. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll, uh, thanks, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yep. All right. Thank you so much to Paul for joining us. Thank you to Tim for helping us uh, take out the trash, so to speak. Stay tuned next week because we have a very special interview with former MSU quarterback Brian Workman. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, we're out. Go green, go white, go sponge.